Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! You got it! You got it! This episode of the Ready State Podcast is brought to you by the Level 1 Fundamentals course taught by our friends at MoveNet. Look, we've been advocating for move more for a minute, right? And one of the things that I love about our friend Erwan LaCour, who is the sort of big brain behind this system, is he has been advocating for us to move naturally, which means play, sit on the ground, roll, enjoy your body, sort of removing some of the heavy physiology-driven choices that we make, like energy systems, wattage, poundage. And what you see is this is an easy way to think about moving through the environment sort of with, with fluency. And the level one fundamentals allow us that, help us appreciate that, man, this could be a movement practice to maintain our positions and balance and restoration so that when you wanna go out of the gym and expose that incredible physiology, you also have a software system that's ready for it. And here's the deal, this course is 100% online, so you can do it from anywhere at your own pace, at your own time. And go ahead and check it out at thereadystate.com slash movenet. I'd also just like to add that if you're looking for a way to engage your kids in play and a little bit more well-rounded movement, this is the place. I think this should be the standard education for anyone in elementary school uh, on the planet. Like if you came up as a movenet kid, watch out. Curious about it, go to thereadystate.com slash movenet. Darren Olean, founder of Superlife, is often called the Indiana Jones of superfoods. Since 2005, he's successfully sourced more than 300 foods and ingredients from around the world as exotic superfoods, as a hunter and environmental activist. Today, Darren is a renowned authority on nutrition, hydration, and the health potential of foods and herbs. He is the formulator of Shakeology and the plant-based Ultimate Reset Detox program. His books and his corresponding program, Superlife, offer a simple start to healing your body through the power of a plant-based lifestyle. Welcome to the Ready State Podcast, Darren. We're super excited to have you. Thank you for being here. I'm stoked to be here, you guys. So we have so much to talk about. I mean, food is the third rail, and you are what we think is the best representation of choice around sort of food quality and and the how much you spend teaching people about food and nutrient-dense foods. But I have to have just a couple questions. First off, can you eat in your style and still be addicted to popcorn like my wife? hundred <laughs> percent. I love a good popcorn. Are you kidding? Come on. Just It's, it's just one of the things that sometimes gets lost in this conversation. I'm like, carnivore, but there's no popcorn in carnivore. What are you going to do? Yeah, a lot of people have asked me, you know, what what do you follow there? Do you follow a paleo diet? And I was like, well, if paleo diet includes popcorn, then yes. So, <laughs> well, you think you think corn got close too close to a fire at some point, <laughs> for sure. Okay, so we've heard you described as the Indiana Jones of superfoods. Um, I, you, and I, and Juliet have all hung out at our mutual friends, the Lairds, Laird and Gabby's house. You have pulled me from the bottom of the pool on more than one occasion. So I'm familiar with your story and how you got here, but how did you get here? Give us a, just a high level background about where you grew up, like school and like what got you to this place? Because your teaching is pretty incredible. 
Mm. Well, thank you. And, and no, you do a pretty good damn job in that pool. Mr. Kelly. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I should say Dr. Kelly. I think oh, well, or you true. do really good at the, yeah, you do really good at the bottom of the pool. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I think without trying to go too far back, I, I, I have to mention it because that imprinted me. And because I believe, uh, epidemiologically, I believe uh, expressions and uh, life and obviously pre-life, our, our ancestors informed us as well as our life obviously imprinted and informed us. So I was born two months early, uh, premature, uh, lungs underdeveloped, hyperactive thyroid, uh, they were worried about all kinds of things. I was in an incubator for the first three three weeks of my life. I had a 50-50 chance of surviving. Long story short, my imprint was very clearly, this is dangerous. Um, I'm, I am vulnerable. And uh, I might be not be here. So that started my kind of childhood with a lot of weird stuff, right? So I had... I had um, uh, I, like I said, I had a resting heart rate of a few years of 120 beats per minute upon literally upon waking. Oh, so wow. um, I had no idea. Yes. Yeah. So there was a lot of uh, strange things going back and forth. Uh, I couldn't pay attention in school. My mom, I had all these allergy tests. I had a patch over my eye. I couldn't kind of keep up to people, but yet I was bored out of my mind. So uh, there was a lot of stuff. And so at 13, I jumped into my first cleanse. And listen, I grew up, so this kind of sets the tone for what I'm doing now, which I didn't realize until <laughs> later in my life, was I, I, you know, I come from cowboys, farmers, my grandfather sold tractors, my, my, you know, my, my grandmother came over from Norway on a covered wagon, fed Indians, uh, you know, so that was in the plains, uh, farmers, ranchers. Uh, my dad was an ag professor at the University of Minnesota, teaching business to farmers. So that was kind of what was going on. But I was, I was a regular kid, right? I was an athlete all my life. Um, but at 13, for whatever reason, the Minneapolis Star and Tribune had this diet in there that was a grapefruit diet. <laughs> and uh, I just started eating because on some level I knew that, you know, and listen, I was medicating myself. I was drinking about five old fashioned bottles of Coke a day, just as this normal speed that was <laughs> helping me kind of deal with just this sense of kind of processing in my brain and in my body and my life. So I was medicating on Coca-Cola. And, and so when I did this cleanse, it was the first sense that I was like, holy shit, I'm now experientializing an effect of food directly into a change, uh, making a positive change in my life. So then, of course, I just became a regular kid and picked up my first dumbbell at 16 and then just jumped from, you know, gaining 50, 60 pounds in the next couple of years and then uh, of muscle and then just, you know, focusing on uh, uh, athletics. And then it was a career ending back injury 
my sophomore year starting in football in Minneapolis where I switched majors and I then started studying physiology, nutrition, kinesiology, kind of this whole gamut um, and got my bachelor's in, in, in phys and nutrition. So that injury catapulted me in into the discovery that I love this stuff. I am fascinated by the body. And, and then I started working with a physiologist, uh, uh, Dr. Uh, well, uh, Dale Greenwald in Boulder when I moved um, uh, from Minneapolis to, to Colorado. And we started working with uh, people. Actually, Kelly, it was a whole seven years of my life. We were studying movement and helping people to um, uh, move correctly after debilitating injuries, surgeries, or accidents. So I started watching how people move and started kind of applying that kinesiology kind of, okay, well, if that's moving like this, then this is turned off and that's not working. And, and so that was a really fun part of my life. But then I started studying independently with some um, functional medicine doctors that, that wasn't even a term back then. Um, and then it started kind of giving me this groundswell of I think one of the first things I read was like, oh, cinnamon, taking a teaspoon of cinnamon kind of helps your blood sugar. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, really? <laughs> like, you know, and, and then realizing that 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 plants and medicine have always been there. If you've if you've sucked on a lozenge, that's plant medicine. If you've drank a tea, that's plant medicine. So so then it started turning this this kind of incredible synergy or alchemy between plants and our humanness, which then I started just digging into that and digging in. But at the same time, I was fascinated with this intersection between kind of watching and working with certain people and then seeing that certain people were just recovering infinitely better. I was then started culminating into this intersection between the mind the cognition the spiritual component of of how someone would take care of themselves how would they recover so i got a master's in um in, in psychology um just to kind of understand that uh, a, a little bit and then um and then I just continue to formulate. And then really to kind of summarize the whole damn uh, story is that the more I started kind of understanding research, I, I, I ultimately don't believe in scientism, like that extreme science is the only way and science is all, if that was the case, then, you know, 10,000 years of traditional Chinese medicine and, and 20,000 years of Ayurveda medicine uh, and that kind of use of, of tens of thousands of generations would 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 be completely unsubstantiated which is not the case so i i just got fascinated with the intersection between some of the powerful plants but then as a blue collar guy living in minnesota um i just needed to go jump on a plane and meet the farmers and see how they were doing it because i just got frustrated with um, people not understanding or what I perceive people not understanding in the food and supplement world of marketing something and then not truly understanding it or understanding how it worked uh, or understanding um, are the farmers doing it right and are, are we doing it right based on what that that plant that botanical or those compounds are and so that that 
turned on this, you know, Indiana Jones, a superfood, superfood <laughs> hunting. That was just that, that's, that, that was just a term that came up, you know, a decade ago in a, in a few uh, business articles uh, that were written, but it's, it was really the innocence of, I just need to know. I just, and, and to me, sitting behind the research isn't enough. It's to show up and then really find out. And what you really find out is there's so much more science that's not on Google um, that, that are sitting there in the fields and in the houses and in the sharing of story than anything else. And so this kind of the, the, the archaeological ethnobotanal side, which I would never say I, I am one of those, but that part of the story was starting to express itself and being extremely necessary in uh, the, the, the betterment of not only the people that you are working with, the betterment of the, the, uh, the processing so that the food or the botanical or the medicinal plant was more powerful and it can actually do the thing that they, that was meant to be done by it. And, and so anyway, that's the, that's the, sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to go off that long, but, <laughs> okay. but that sets the table of, of, of kind of what and why I got into this and, and it's forever, you know, a, a journey and a, and a learning process. This is true. One of the things I hear though, is really interesting and certainly sort of a hallmark or a, 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 a standard for a lot of the people we're talking to this season is that they discovered food or making choice choices about their food as a way of self-medicating and people were trying to solve a problem. And, you know, when you hear cleanse, I hear the word elimination diet, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> you basically were fasting and all of a sudden you, or you're, you know, you're eating one thing and you're just cutting out everything else. And people are feeling for the first time the this relationship between food and fueling and cognition and output and skin and body fat. And, you know, I, I think that's really notable and interesting that you sort of set out to be and just kind of stumbled into something's not working. So is it working? I mean, aren't we plant-based today? How are we doing as a culture? Because I can tell you that if I was going to give us a grade, we're, we're failing people with our current food system. Would you agree? Oh God. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big, big topic for sure. Of course we're, I mean, the, 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 the Genesis, which is, you know, again, the, the Genesis of why I travel was to, 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 to help to understand the plant, to understand the growing, to understand, uh, the use of it. And now it's just become big business. Um, and so of course, I mean, there's no regenerative aspect to the food. There's, there's just uh, the soil has become a, 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 a medium to which it's holding up the plant. <laughs> it's therefore not delivering much, any, much of any nutrients. So it's the same mentality as, uh, as our kind of germ theory, um, American Medical Association, as we're, we're catching something and it's not looking at the environment that's making us stronger or the choices we're making that's making us stronger similar to that of uh well how are we growing our food and the the multi-cropping and the ability to do that i mean the, i mean this is a such a big topic but but it's clear that the research shows that that yields are not improving 
by our, our agricultural practices, without a doubt. And they're going down and down and down. And these poor farmers with glyphosate and GMOs and all that stuff are now have a, a noose around their head. And I don't even mean that by exaggeration. They're literally, it's one of the highest suicide rates of any, uh, virtually of almost any population in the world. And that's of a farmer. And, and that saddens me to my core, literally, because that's kind of where I come from, and I think where we all come from. Um, so yeah, so those practices largely, and they've knew, known this from the early 1900s, uh, in 1930, they set out, the government itself set out to say, do a nutritional test. And they knew, they knew back then that 99% of the nutrients were stripped in the 1930s. So, you, mean that, you know, it's so, you mean special K? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's not even that we're not even getting into the processed food. That's just, that's the food. That's the quote unquote real food that they were creating back then. And the way that they were doing it had stripped the micronutrients. And if you want to go all the way down to the source of most debilitation or degeneration in the body, and that's micronutrients, you don't have. You don't, you don't have the electrolytes, you don't have the minerals, guess what? You don't have the foundation to build on vitamins, to build on the enzymatic activity, and the enzymatic activity is the workforce of the body, not to mention uh, impacting the microbiome by whatever weird-ass food you're putting in. So the foundation of us as a human species on this planet has been altered for now approaching hundred years yeah. plus. So, so, so we're, we're running around now and like, you have to kind of look at food a little differently. You can't sit there and just make this, these grand statements of, well, this is how they used to eat back then. It, this is not appropriate. We are all nutrient deprived essentially, unless we get back to growing as much food as possible at our homes, in our homes, and in micro, micro grids of our, you know, regions or cities or whatever, we have to decentralize our food production. We have to, because that, that is our medicine, without a doubt. That is, if you want micronutrients, you have to go to food first. Yeah. And I will get to this later, but um, interesting. This is really all coming to the forefront of the news in everybody's mind during this whole COVID crisis, which is when we're recording this. But we can we'll get to that later. Uh, you know, in this journey, and and I think you know, Darren, that the whole point of the season is sort of to bring in people who we respect and love and um, approach nutrition in one way or another that has worked well for them. Um, at what point in your journey did you switch to? plant-based and what does that actually mean how would you define plant-based and have you continuously been plant-based since that time because let me just set this up yeah. in, in college juliet was a rower and she was theoretically a vegetarian for a second and that mean meant like a mocha and then like a bagel for lunch and i like ate a lot of pasta. red vines a lot of and, red vines during that time right so i, I just explain <laughs> all of that and give that some context because i think it could use some lifting yes yeah, well, I first will set the stage saying, like, I ultimately believe, and this this fuels the foundation, I ultimately the, believe that the, the, the inherent ability for the body to heal itself, and the body is always striving 
for optimum performance. I inherently believe that on the deepest level. And so the more interaction I've had with very powerful plants from 40 different countries on mountaintops and in jungles, the more I realize the power of that interaction between humans and plants and, and microbes and, and the whole deal. So also, it's also connected to where we're living and all of that stuff. But sticking to the, 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 the plant side of it is, first off, I was, you know, in, in the research, I was looking and I was, you know, bodybuilding and training for football and doing all this shit. Uh, uh, of course, I was eating like crazy amounts of protein and calories and all of this stuff. And I was having some very serious uh, digestive problems and and acid reflux and it was just I was just so uncomfortable and and then I'm going back to kind of my physiology stuff and I'm like and there's this one part that I was reading I'm like wow it makes a lot of sense that when you take in a a protein which largely if you look at harvesting a protein or finding a protein it's difficult if it's from an animal or whatever it's hard to find that. So it takes a lot of energy. So therefore within the body, the body, once it has to break down the, the, whatever it is you're eating or a flesh of another being, it's a lot of energy to do that. So therefore these amino acids that it has to break it down to are so precious. And the thing that stuck out the most for me is that the body inherently has a recycling ability for amino acids. So when you're when you're sloughing off cells, which we're doing all of the time, and we're breaking down cell walls and the, and the protein that, that's in hormones and all of that stuff and the proteins are inherently a part of and, and so much more, it, the body doesn't want to get rid of. So there was a recycling part that wasn't in the equation that I was seeing. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. So every, all the protein that I've consumed, I'm not necessarily just getting rid of it all. I'm recycling and I'm using it. So I started questioning the, the, the need for the amount and, and therefore, and, and certainly the digestive system has to be kind of spot on in order for, for the hydrochloric acids and the protease enzymes and all this stuff to work efficiently to break down all that flesh and all that stuff. So I just started like, okay, well, let's put this athletic thing to test and so I said, well, and slowly I started, you know, backing away. And I think it was fish was the last kind of, kind of ditch for me. And I, I finally let it go. And then I just cranked up my workouts, right? So I just, I was doing biathlons at the time, like swimming and running and lifting. And I just cranked it. And it was like a different feeling in my body that I was like, wow, I have energy where I didn't feel it before. And I'm recovering from this ridiculous amount of work um so that was that that was the impetus and that was maybe 12 years ago um and i and, and guys i i honestly would ask myself every week day for years hey do you need do you want protein do you want this do you want that you smell that do you want it like asking my body literally asking my body not my mind not a philosophy asking my body and it just slowly started to turn off. Now, now, now. Also, I was putting myself in the position 
of, of, of kind of being in front of and consuming some of the greatest nutrient dense foods in the world. So where I was seeing uh, a deficiency in some of the, you know, obviously a lot of plant-based people or vegans or vegetarians eat like complete crap. So I was the opposite. I was surrounding myself with the best sources of spirulinas and moringas and uh, obviously eating organic and biodynamic and farmers markets. And, you know, that, that was my, that was my trajectory and that where I was, that's where I was going. So all of the, you know, Hey, you're not getting enough B12. I'm like, well, that's easy. You don't need that much. It's actually not that much that you need. And then the science is showing that there's a lot of actually plant-based foods that are showing up with that. And, and certainly some of the exciting ones now are food-based spirulinas that are having huge amounts of B, uh, B12, B6, uh, and so on. So, so I would always go back to the food source of what I needed to, or I think I needed in order to complete my, my kind of, um, uh, eating protocol. So, so I would, the more, ex, you know, exposure to superfoods. So for example, like even now with COVID, so I'm like, okay, well it is shown and the work back to all the way back to Dr. Otto Warburg where, you know, high, high doses of vitamin C where I'm like, well, okay, he was using ascorbic acid with great results. And even now China's studying it as of right now, they're doing clinical substantiation on high dose vitamin C. So I would just go, my mentality was like, okay, well, why don't I go to one of the greatest sources of vitamin C as a plant-based and then with all its cofactors? So I would just go back to one of the great uh, camu camu berries out of the Amazon where I would just use that as my protocol. So now I'm getting the cofactors, the enzymes, uh, the, the minerals, the other compounds, the other 400 compounds that are in that than that food. And that's what I, that's the basis of how I would create my plant-based journey. I'm just turning on all of the, all of the access to this stuff. And it was something that once I got injured playing football, I just made a clear decision in myself and my health that I would never under any circumstances skimp on my food because that was literally medicine and I, and I just knew it. And that ultimately healed myself through movement therapy and through nutrition back. So it went all the way back to that injury, healing myself and then, you know, coming up to this day. So, so that's the, that's the foundation of how I look at plant-based eating. And it's, it's just a, such a generalized term, but you know, it always goes back to even finding this Baruca, uh, nut out of Brazil. What's well, the most nutrient dense nut in the world? So why would I choose to eat another nut? Plus, it's better than any nut I've ever eaten in my life. So why not just add that to all my salads instead of a inferior almond? Uh, so that that's my that's my mentality. I would just be like, you know, go go to the pool, hang out, and train with the best people on the planet. Same thing. I come home, eat the best food possible. So that's my uh, different approach to uh, plant-based eating. So I love the way you're thinking about that. And I don't think many people think that way, right? Just trying to actually find the, you know, the, not a nutrient dense food, but the most nutrient dense food. 
Um, I know Kelly and I read uh, in the last year or so that the average American only eats between four and five different kinds of vegetables, which of course are the sort of typical subjects like broccoli, carrot, onion, and I, I don't know what the fifth one is, tomato. but tomato, not which a, isn't really a vegetable. A vegetable but um, I, I think that's such an interesting <laughs> approach that you are going for the most nutrient-dense foods, you know, the almond versus the, I forget the name of the nut you just mentioned. Yeah, Which the brucas versus the almond, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and... Um, it's, it seems like we are, have plenty of macronutrients in this society. <laughs> yeah. And yet, you know, if, if I just, you know, take a snapshot of the landscape, it's all about supplementation, right? Like that somehow I think even intrinsically we appreciate that maybe we're not getting all of the micronutrients that we're after or should be after. And plus all the, the alchemy that you sort of speak to, all the, the cofactors and all the, you know, what we know right now is that the revolution in performance nutrition is whole foods and diverse whole foods. Like watch well, how the best <laughs> Tour de France teams are fueling right now and you're like, whoa. I mean, it's, it's really remarkable, the density of whole foods. And there's not a powder in there. There's not a, you know, a vitamin on top of that. It's, it's really remarkable. And it sounds to like the, maybe the basis of sort of your superfood, you know, you know, super life nutrition strategy. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, that's, that's where it's like, listen, I, I've been humbled so many times when you're in the jungle and you've got a machete and you're whacking off a vine and you're drinking out of the vine and it happens to be one of the greatest uh, immune boosting uh, uh, plants and compounds in the world. And, and, and then you realize when you start, then you go back to the research and you're like, yeah, there's freaking 30 alkaloids. There's uh, 35 different antioxidants. You're like, holy shit. And so, you know, reductionism has its place. Um, there, there is a reducing of things to active compounds. A great example is curcumin. High-dose curcumin definitely can deal with inflammation, acute inflammation, and systemic inflammation, infinitely more. You're talking about turmeric, right, or the active compound. Yeah. Yeah, so infinitely more than turmeric itself because it's – but – you have tumorones in there that are, it's another huge compound that are, that are neurogenic. So it turns on brain derived neurotropic factors. You have all of these things that go on in curcumin. Hell, an apple has 300 active compounds in it, an apple. So I always use that an apple a day keeps the doctor away, which my interpretation of that is your whole foods have a synergy and alchemy that you cannot manufacture you cannot re reproduce your pleomorphic effect your synergistic effect that happens with that interaction between that food and your body is is so infinite on a micro level a macro level an information level i mean the the I mean we're light beings we're 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 batteries we're so we're we're interacting and again like you know this whole thing superfoods and all of that stuff is it also an interaction between everything else so superfoods and all of that stuff is not the end all be all it's one spoke in the wheel that's equally as important as getting sleep 
and drinking good water, moving your body and all of this other stuff. But, but, but I think the, the idea that supplementation is going to take you out of, uh, is like showing up with a squirt gun to a forest fire. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this documentary that came out recently and you know where I'm going with this called the game changers, which was really about, um, you know, bringing awareness and it wasn't, I, I haven't watched it. Can't make myself watch it, but I've talked about it a lot <laughs> and seen, listened to four hours of podcasts, breaking it down and talking about the science, you know, one of the things that I think Juliet and I agree on, no matter what, is, you know, we try to be plant-based. And when I say that, we try to eat all the plants, right? And just as for the reason you're saying is that it turns out salads and vegetables and fruits and nuts are not the limiting factor, right? And they don't make us feel bad. And then we, we personally layer on the best quality proteins that we can afford, right? You know, and, and then, so that's our base. But a lot of people, I had a, a lot of conversations about people being interested, I think, because they were like, wow, I think I'm really interested in improving my performance. And when I said, stop, how many plants did you eat today? They really couldn't even answer that question. And it was very few. It was like they were eating charcuterie. And they were like, I'm just going to go plant-based. And one of the things I think I just want to appreciate and have you talk about a little bit is sort of the work. Because one of the things that you're advocating for is eating the most nutrient dense foods you can get in the world and not just saying, I'm not going to eat meat and I'm going to eat these crackers instead. Yeah. I mean, you know, it goes down to the fundamental responsibility and you know, this more than more than most, both of you is we have this vehicle, this incredible chemistry set that just blows your fucking mind and in terms of its ability to move us through and on this earth and if we don't take the responsibility and 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 start to understand the owner's manual then good luck man it, it eventually will just break and then you're broken and then your ability to have a kick-ass life and dreams is just over so so that, that, that's fundamentally where I believe people need to come from. So when, you know, thinking that it's anomaly that I'm, I'm sitting here saying, oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I take it as my work and my life and my responsibility that I should choose the best possible foods of this very vulnerable task we have. We have a food out here and we're opening our mouth to put it in our body so that it becomes us. Jesus Christ, don't you want to take a little bit of responsibility into no, that? I, I just want to self-soothe with cookies and ice cream. Stop it. <laughs> You're being so mean. Yeah. Just, exactly. give, me the, just but, give me the grain alcohol. Exactly. But that, but that being said, I love that point because it's, I, I, I am not saying that we need to not have the pleasure and, and honestly, honestly, to, to as honest as I can be, I deprive myself of nothing. Like I literally today had a bowl of leucoma, frozen leucoma from Peru. I didn't happen to have some connections. It is <laughs> nature's yogurt, right? But it is a fruit that tastes better than any ice cream. 
I could possibly come up with. So, and I've gotten to taste some of the great fruits. Uh, um, uh, I mean, not a lot of people like this, but durian, incredible fruit. We just right? ate durian but in Thailand. It was oh, a little tough for us. You guys us. like it? It was tough. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, some I people, my mouth some people out with don't a warm tuna milkshake afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but jackfruit, for example, jackfruit's incredible. Like, there's a lot of stuff that nature has already created as its desserts, its its bounty. So, so I I don't deprive myself of the pleasure of food. I just don't want to put the bet on a guy who's manipulating food, who's putting it and smashing it into a pretzel and then putting sugar, salt, and his uh, rancid fat in it uh, and then getting a three-second hit of taste where, that, where now I have a generation of, of detriment that I'm sitting in when I can just think about it a little bit and go, well, what am I looking for right now? What kind of pleasure do I want? And what are some of the better choices that I could make? Uh, and then just take some responsibility and start choosing better and get a little more creative. So people are just lazy. And once, listen, I don't spend time thinking about, oh my God, uh, I got to choose the best food here. Like it's all habits. You guys know that. Yep. Habits are nothing anymore. They take up zero space in my consciousness. So I am, I am a, I have set my trajectory towards the looking for and the forging and the, and the, the, the kind of imprint of what, what my body wants, what it feels like it wants and, 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 and cultivating that response um, ultimately, I'm running around also gathering wild food in the area that I'm in right now. So, you know, that that is something that I'm not spending time on. And that's the difference where people don't realize that, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Like you find this all the time. You, you give them the education and how to help that frozen shoulder that they've been living with for 20 years. You tell them how to do it and then they don't do it. Like, okay, <laughs> well then you get to live with a frozen shoulder for the next 20 years. So, right. you know, that's the thing. That's the thing. How, how bad do you want to live in a future that gives you more health and happiness and possibilities? So Darren, in our little pre-conversation, we talked about this a little bit or alluded to this, but I think a stereotype or um, sort of misconception about plant-based diet people is that they can't put on muscle mass or be jacked. And, uh, obviously this is only being recorded on audio, but having hung out with you at a pool and a sauna, you are super jacked. And so what that leads me to think is that you're doing a really good job with your plant-based diet and that it is supporting your, um, continuing to have muscles and or grow muscles. So it may be the best advertisement for eating the way you're eating is the way you live you and look your and, output. Right? Yeah. So I, I mean, mm. I do think anyone who follows any nutrition strategy, there's always people who do a bad job of it. You are obviously doing a good job. And, you know, we've talked a lot about some of your strategies, but what do you think is your secret? Hmm. Well, I think, you know, it's hard to, 
you know, reduce it down to a thing. <laughs> no, I want three mobilizations uh, okay. that fix me. Five Perfect. secrets. Five <laughs> secrets, Darren. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you know that. Well, I, I, I mean, listen, I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's instincts. First off, it's common sense. Um, it's, 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 you know, this is a, this is one that people don't use often when you're plant-based selecting, use your nose. And there's a huge science in food selection. It will tell you, is this banana unprocessed, uncooked? Use your nose. It's a very powerful olfactory way of choosing food. I can smell a banana and know that, oh my God, I can feel instantly. I want that right now. I can smell it tomorrow and I can feel like I don't. So those are, that's a little hack. I don't talk about that much because I've been kind of doing it for so long, but, um, but that's a very powerful way to food select because it will give you instantaneously, uh, what your body will want. And, and again, I think it's also getting to know your own manuscript. Listen, I, I, I definitely every year do a full nutritional panel. Like I am not sitting there uh, running around uh, expecting everything to be perfect because this is a modern day crazy world. We are under so much freaking stress. One of my secrets is I freaking go nuts on adaptogens. So adaptogenic herbs because we're under air pollution stress, water pollution stress, EMF stress, uh, psychological stress. And now the freaking global stress of this situation. So ashwagandha, astragalus, rhodiola, maca, uh, chaga, rishi, cordyceps. Like those are so anchored in my daily regimen uh, that that's been 15 years of research, use, application. Uh, hell, I've been in the tops of in Tibetan mountains with the Tibetan uh, picking rhodiola uh, and understanding the power and the stress that it's under. So again, that alchemy of realizing our modern day world and the, the increased need for nutrient dense food um, is something that is why I use botanicals and medicinal plants like crazy on top of my wide diverse uh, plant-based eating. But, but I don't, I eat twice a day. You know, I don't really consume a lot of food anymore. It's just really selective. And I do my fasting and I do all that stuff and I listen. And, and, and other than that, uh, the biggest key is always trying to get another diverse food in there. You know, okay, I had a red pepper last week. Let's go yellow. Let's go green. Let's go uh, a yellow uh, zucchini. Let's go uh, dark leafy greens. Let's try a new uh, type of kale. Let's like so. So that's also important. The diversification gives us other micronutrients, other antioxidants, other compounds and cofactors. So so that's you know that's part of it. And we, there's probably a twenty others. Right. One of our <laughs> one of our good friends has you know suggested that we you know historically we used to eat between forty and sixty kinds of vegetables in a year. And here we are, as Juliet pointed out, maybe eating four or five. And I really appreciate this, this mesh of diversity. And one of the things that I've heard you say about being this, your regimen, being plant-based, 
is that you haven't said stop eating meat or stop eating plants or stop eating, you know, animal proteins. What you've said is there's a whole lot of options that you're not taking advantage of in, in sort of your diet. And one of the things that, you know, we appreciate around sort of this, this conversation is, you know, this is a, at some level, a conversation of privilege. And I just want to acknowledge it that not all of us could eat in this choice. And definitely meat is a very nutrient dense food for a lot of people. But if someone was going to transition into improving their diet, how, is, is that the first step by just saying, hey, I'm going to increase the diversity and actually go out and, and try to actually get, eat some and plants. actually eat some plants <laughs> in these ways? Because I, I think it's, it's people have lost their minds or, or we're so confused by this thing that we don't think about nutrient density besides the package and, you know, how many grams of vitamin C these pretzels have. Exactly. Well, it, yeah. And I think, of course, that's, and thank you because I, you know, I'm never the guy, I don't want the responsibility of telling people what they should and shouldn't eat. Like, I, I don't want it. Like there's plenty of plant-based people that take that on. It's just not me. I, 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 I don't want that judgment. Um, so people are going to do what they're going to do. I'm just going to give you some information and let you do whatever it is that you do. But yes, that's a first step and very cheap to get a whole wide variety of plants. Um, and also your food selection is extremely important. So yeah, you don't want to expose yourself to other stressors, uh, pesticides, herbicides, all of that stuff. If it doesn't have a number nine as a sticker on your, on your foods and your fruits and all of that other stuff, don't eat it. Cause now you're just exposing yourself to, to pesticides, herbicides, which is also a hormonal impact, which will plummet your uh, testosterone and, and uh, affect your estrogens and all of that other shit. So that being said, also with meat selection, I get it. It's cheap. It's subsidized, but that subsidy is horrible uh, food uh, in, for the masses. So I would, if you were thinking, don't eat it as much, but pick the very best. So when you are still eating uh, meat, fish, eggs, whatever, pick the very best so you're getting the most nutrients per uh per dollar that you're spending um and then go out and try that diversification of different plants and go to your farmer's markets infinitely more cheap uh or cheaper at, at farmer's markets and stuff and and you know you know the farmer so so yeah i mean it's i mean the metanomics of things is a whole nother conversation because we're we forced uh, cheap food, but the poor quality food. Because our modern day side is also causing these other stressors of GMOs, uh, pesticides, and herbicides. So you want to minimize all of that stuff and and save up your money and just eat a little less of it, but eat the better quality of it. I think that that um, that point is made all the more important during this. COVID crisis. I mean, I mentioned it a little bit earlier in the in the podcast, but I haven't heard random people say the word supply chain more often in my entire life. In fact, I don't think I've said it so often. And I think we're really starting to see all these meat plants having to close down and all of this uh, extra um, 
you know, fruits and vegetables that are just laying in piles on farms and rotting because it's nowhere, you know, there's nowhere for them to go. And man, this whole uh, crisis has certainly driven home for me the importance of, you know, really understanding where your food comes and having it ideally be locally. If you can. If you can. And, you know, yeah. just that, man, how fragile our big industrial system actually is. Big time. Yeah, it's there's nothing more powerful, I think, than the decentralization of these systems um, and support your local farmers um, and support your local businesses who are producing food for you and all of this stuff. And it's just, you know, we're like, God damn, if we're not so vulnerable. Um, you know, like I, like we said before, like I lost my, I don't know if we said it on the podcast, but I lost my house in the late 2018 from a fire. And now we have a freaking pandemic. So if, if we're not understanding that, that we are extremely vulnerable by way of our fatal convenience of monoed, uh, distributed food, then you aren't like alive right now. So, so the, the quick reality is, uh, it makes sense to start growing your food. It makes sense to get to know your neighbors and your, uh, farmers and all of that stuff. It makes sense to be aware of where that food's coming from. And, and when you're opening your mouth, just buy, get the best in your body. So you're strong, your immune system, all that stuff. We have been running around with this modern day infallibility that is just, we're getting bitch slapped right now. And it's true. And, yep. I mean, one of, uh, one that's of the a good way to put it. <laughs> I think that ties both those conversations together, but what Juliet's saying and what you're saying, you know, is we are seeing the rise of the Franken fake meat, hyper-processed plant burgers. And for us, it's sort of those stand in stark contrast to what you're saying here about whole foods access to real food and, and unprocessed as much as you can. It doesn't like real food doesn't have ingredients. I think a lot of, friend, of our friends say, right. And one of our friends points out, you know, at Walmart, you could go online and buy grass fed hamburger. And it was about twice as cheap as some of those Franken meat, you know, impossible burger things. And that we've really kind of, if that's what we're holding up as plant-based and once again, we're sort of in this Franken monostructural crop, you know, disaster where we've missed the point again. Am I right in thinking that way? Yeah, of course. I mean, we need to look at these these systems and like, you know, yeah, you can see the pluses and minuses of all this stuff. You can see, but if you if you if you're willing to look under the covers a little bit, you see the 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 the, the, the flaws of some of this stuff, obviously, if you're, you know, I get it, the plant-based burgers and all of that stuff. Well, it's a nice kind of way for people if they're so averse uh, to, to um, uh, changing their diet, they just have to have it uh, taste the same. Okay, well, there's an argument that we want to transition uh, out of that. But at the same time, I don't eat that shit. You know, it's like, I, have I? Of course, because of the curiosity of like, holy shit, it does taste like meat. There's no freaking difference. And but I'm curious about chocolate ate? chip cookies too. <laughs> yeah, you see, he keeps dude, mentioning that, Darren. Killer chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I can I'm, make some. I know you can. Dude, I can make some food. Bro. Well, I think that's one, one of the things that was really interesting <laughs> is in some of these conversations that get lost, I think people think it's a choice and they're choosing less, right? And 
Mm-hmm. Our, our, you know, we have an incredible relationship with a, a Northern California farm. We love them. They, you know, they're, we know everything about them. We know the people and my, you know, uh, rationale is I think the food tastes better. Right. And one of the things I think is you have done and, and I encourage people to check out your Instagram and your books is you really have made the case that this isn't some ethical austerity measure where you're saying, Hey, I, I don't believe in the treatment of chickens. You're saying that eating this way is actually way more pleasurable, way more nutrient dense and delicious. I mean, I think that's one of the things, you know, as you, you bring up here is that it's not, it's not about, um, you know, trying to do the right thing for the wrong reason. It's really about that you, ha- you have powerful choice and all these things can actually be, you know, net positives in the whole thing. And it reminds me sort of this intrinsic, as you're saying, is that sometimes we really do not conjoin inputs and outputs that I don't think people realize how bad they feel after bringing on a pizza and a beer. And by all means, you're a human being, you should do that once in a while, go find out. But you know, we, we had a professional hockey team we work with and a lot of their guys just did not process these these post-workout shakes very well, you know, they were, you know, Juliet and I don't eat a lot of whey protein. Um, but you know, what was happening was just wrecking the, the havoc on these guys. And when they realized they needed to supplement protein they supplemented the best quality plant proteins they have. And again, this is just end of one and anecdotal, all the guys stopped getting diarrhea and started feeling better and sleeping better, you know? And I, I just think <laughs> we, we are so quick to, you know, make this, this disconnection between, you know, inputs and outputs. And I really have appreciated that your work is always pointing at having actually more pleasure and eat when you can eating better and more densely because that lives a better life enjoyment. hundred percent. Absolutely. And that, and that, that's the, I hope people get that, that takeaway because I, there is no deprivation. Um, and, and also listen, I, I would be remiss to say that I don't like killing anything. Like I, for sure, that was it. my main, in my main consciousness when I switched to plant-based? No. Um, but it is now like, it just lines up for me where I just don't like to participate in, in killing anything. Hell, I, I take flies out of my yurt when they're stuck in here, you know? <laughs> uh, so, so, so it just, it, you know, it just feels good on, on that level. But yeah, man, I, I mean, the like I've done it several times where I've had the boys over, right? The workout boys and I've made them pizzas. And I swear to God, they're like, they, they've quoted, this is the best pizza I have ever had, period. <laughs> whether it has this, that, or whatever on it. So I, I make a point of, because I live that way, I make a point of food celebrated inherently within it we have a synergy with it and it's got its nature's candy is already there pick up a date and eat a date a majol date and and you tell me that that isn't nature's freaking candy it is sport candy it is it is sport it is there's nothing sweeter than that i mean a real strawberry blows your you know these little strawberries we get in germany (laughs) You're, they're too sweet. You're like, this can't be, this can't, this goes against God. Like, nature doesn't make things this sweet. Exactly. I mean, there's been, I just, uh, I was uh, with the seed savers in Norway 
about three months ago and I was in this uh, greenhouse and this guy was a very interesting dude. And, and he was talking about all these plants that he's growing and, and it's a seed saver program and all of that stuff. And he's like, well, check out my, my grapes. Uh, these are very special grapes. And I got them and I ate them and I couldn't stop swearing. I'm like, fuck, these are incredible. Like, <laughs> oh my God, these are the best grapes I've ever had in my life. So when we do things right, the, the sensuality of life, the, of food, of, of, of fruit, of that bounty just explodes. And, and the, 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 the light that's given, literal, the literal light conversion of our sun and the photosynthetic action and the structured water that's within the food and the life-giving properties, when we interact with that, it is absolutely, without a doubt, one of the greatest sensual acts that we can do, aside from the obvious ones. So that's, that's what I kind of celebrate the most. And anyone who grows their food and picks it and eats it knows that that's the best salad ever. So that's what we need to get back to. And, and, and hopefully, even in this COVID situation, that people are starting to be a little, have a little more sovereignty over yeah they have a, they have a things. moment to appreciate that you know i on the internet is people just saying i've never cooked so many meals in a row i've never actually sat at the dinner yeah, table right, with our, my family which is we think part of the magic of just you know food in the first place i mean it's you know part of the part of the mysticism of food is sitting down and relating and, and cooking and and even it's a high performance hack i mean all of the high performance groups, and I mention this a lot, how the high performance groups we work with always eat together at least once a week. You know, so if you're on a team, <laughs> there's the training table and, and part of it. So hopefully we can have a message there. Where, where do people find out more about your philosophy? About super life? How, where, where do we begin to sort of tinker with this? Yeah, well, I, I have a new website coming out, uh, darrenoline.com. Um, so, but Superlife will link to it, superlife.com. Uh, you know, I've got a, I've got an app that's coming out uh, in the next couple months, so can help people. Uh, you know, you can eat meat on it, whatever. But it, I have a lot of plant recipes, got some education, uh, got some videos, all of that stuff, and that will be coming out, and a lot of other stuff um, that I'm working on as of now. Um, but yeah, so Superlife Living is my Instagrams and all of that stuff, and. You know, I'm just just charging forward, and 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 uh, you know, I, I appreciate these uh, open conversations, and especially philosophical differences and and ideas. I think we need to share this without judgment, uh, and I really like um, what you guys uh, the the table that you have set here to 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 be to use use upon. Um, I appreciate that, and and we need we need more of that, uh, less divisiveness. Well, and one of the things we we know is that there's more than one way to skin the cat. There's all roads lead to Rome, but there are definitely better paths on those ways. Not every every way in is equal in its effectiveness and its longevity and its its turn. And thanks for being such a, a rational voice. And also, having spent a fair amount of time with you, um, you have always just pointed positive, which is something that Juliet and I feel strongly in that if you want to change someone, make it so compelling, a 
slay me in the pool, be more jacked than I am, have more hair than I am, be always stoked. And also, I'm always like, hmm, what's going on with that guy? And his food is so delicious. I mean, I think really that is, that's the heart and soul of, the, of, of changing these cultural behaviors and, and even just giving people the idea that, you know, if you, you control what you can control and you probably can make a better choice if you have armed with some better information. Yeah, and I just want to add to that, Darren, that it is just so such a pleasure to talk to you, and I can really just hear how much joy and thoughtfulness and care you take to all of this stuff, and and you're just so open and have so much to offer. So it's it's really such a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you. And it's also, a, um, what, a, what a what a blast! One request: uh, can can Kelly and I invite ourselves over to your yurt for pizza this summer? Oh my God! Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> Once we get out of quarantine, <laughs> book it, for son. Sure. Book, book it. it, and I won't even—I won't even make one vegan nut loaf joke. <laughs> Darren, thank you so much. Done. You, thank you, really Darren. So excited to talk to you about this, and uh, I hope you guys are—you guys are hanging tough and in the rebuild after the fires, and all everyone in your uh, all the small farmers that I know you work with. I mean, you're. You know, more small farmers than I think the average person has friends, and I know that this thing is impacting us all. So thanks for being there, boys. Oh, man. Uh, My pleasure. You guys rock. You rock. Thanks, Darren. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it.